Welcome to Oops All Monsters, the deadly unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me, when he's not slashing through the suburbs with his razor gloves, is Gavin. <laughs> and this weirdo with me, who's a security guard for Renraku, is Hess. <laughs> That's no... Nobody, <laughs> nobody is going to register that one. N nobody. All of our, all of our, um, yeah, all of our troll detective enthusiasts are going to get all over that reference. Um, so, so uh, we are here too, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, literature, TV, as well as gaming from the console and the tabletop and beyond. On a rotating basis, each of us brings a monster into the shop unknown to the other presenter and discusses their origins and implications for the benefit of you, dear readers at home. Uh, one quick reminder, all of the images that we reference throughout the show, including in our describing segment at the end of the show, are available on Instagram at OopsAllMonsters on Instagram. Please check that out. It will really augment your enjoyment of the show, particularly the describing segment. So today is a Gavin uh, subject, but before we get into his... <laughs> <laughs> revelation of uh, what monster we're going to be talking about today, we like to take a brief detour into uh, the strange and unlikely corners of the English language that we like to call Villainous Vocabulary. Villainous vocabulary. villainous vocabulary. So in villainous vocabulary today, I've brought one that actually is it's not that exotic if you're from uh, what do they say? Around these parts. Okay, yeah. so uh, it's around these parts. This is uh, understood um, English vocabulary, but in the greater world, this is total gobbledygook. It's I'm, I've brought today the word cattywampus. Oh, cattywampus. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We all around these parts know cattywampus, but in yeah, the greater yeah. English-speaking world, <laughs> I think maybe this might be known in parts of England or Scotland because it's a, I, my understanding, it's a, of Scottish or Scots-Irish derivation. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard Limmy say cattywampus. Oh, I guarantee Lemmy was a caddy. Lemmy himself was a cattywampus individual. No, Lemmy. So, <laughs> Lemmy? Who's yeah, Lemmy? Lemmy is a Scottish comedian currently. And Lemmy oh. has probably said cattywampus as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we're spelling it, uh, and there are versions that it, it's, it's spelled in a vernacular way in different ways, but officially it's C-A-T-T-Y... W-A-M-P-U-S, C-A-T-T-Y-W-A-M-P-U-S, cattywampus. And the definition yeah. is um, to be askew, awry, or kitty corner, or catty corner, meaning diagonal, slanted, or fucked up. <laughs> and that, the, yeah. and, um, and it is uh, an example of grand 19th century American slang, 
Um, in, in addition to askew, I actually determined that it may refer to, and this is particularly relevant to our show, an imaginary fierce wild animal. That, yeah. So that at some point there may have been a, a, a kind of a cryptid um, folklorish entity known as the cattywampus. Most and we're going to have to... We're going to have to explore that at another yeah. time. But basically, um, or it may mean also in other contexts, savage and destructive. So, but generally the usage, as I have ever heard the old uh, hillbilly usages of it around these parts is um, diagonal, askew, or yeah. just all, all, all just not straight. Yeah, the... Um, the, the- the times that I use it is most of the times uh, I will have a variety of boxes of junk and things will be sticking out of the box and most likely yeah. to fall out if you move the box. So I will say, look out for that cattywampus, Marbus Barbus over there. And <laughs> people will know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, it's one of those where I don't think that people that don't have it in their regional vernacular are really likely to adopt it because it's so fucking crazy of a word to just add. You know, yeah. at the age of 42, you're going to be like, I'm going to start saying cattywampus. Yeah. I, I think I, it's probably not going to just, you know, if you're from Delaware, you're probably not just going to start like um, pumping it into your daily, um, word a day <laughs> calendar. But if you hear, if you hear somebody from North Carolina or, uh, Pennsylvania or West Virginia or, or Kentucky or Ireland say cattywampus, they're not, they're not, um, they're not suffering from dropsy. It just means off kilter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that has been. Villainous vocabulary. If I could hear a robot voice every second of the day, I would. <laughs> yeah, we could cut his arms and legs off and and make it and put and, and put a voice box in his throat where he just only sounded like uh, uh, a robot robot lady. We can keep him around. The cliche thing where a person with a superpower like powers a power plant or something. <laughs> Yeah, we just have him run on a giant hamster wheel. Yeah, uh, we just hook up to to a robot voice box and keep him prisoner in a cube. (laughs) Make comedy. Our own personal Neo battery that just just give him, like, transsexual porn and uh, ketamine vials. He He might be down for that. I I doubt he would say no, but yeah, that's not in a perfect world, that would be already be happening. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. That's the perfect world right there. That's that. That's it. <laughs> Alrighty. So um, now that we're out of villainous vocabulary, Gavin, the onus is on you to uh, glide us into your subject. What? Where are we going? <laughs> All right. Sexy. Uh, my intro is in. Imagine if you would situation. Oh, 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 yeah, okay. That you are a rugged, hard case homicide detective in the not too distant, um, somewhat apocalyptic future. Yes. It's more dystopian than apocalyptic. That's a complicated area that we'll discuss later. But it's mm-hmm. crowded and um, upsetting, the world is. Uh, specifically, London, the place you live in. Which has been flooded uh, because of global warming. There's water everywhere. Am I Rutger Hauer? You are Rutger Hauer. Yes! (laughs) 
were the weird, fucked up, not xenomorph from Split Second, starring yes. Rutger Hauer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm so ready to talk about this exact thing. All right, good. I told you it would be fun. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. Alrighty <laughs> then. So uh, sorry, I just had to jump on that one. I would, I you know. Oh my god, I love this stupid movie. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. This, so so this movie is an RPG game session. I swear it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, it's it's mm-hmm. it's no wonder that we play the way that we do, and I play the way that I do because like most people uh, who play role playing games primarily grew into it from Dungeons and Dragons. And, like, watching Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings movies and things like that. Us, what we did was fine-tune Shadowrun and Battletech from B-movie sci-fi bullshit like this that we didn't just watch, that we worshipped. And yes, absolutely. <laughs> and the entire uh, fabric of our role-playing style pretty much comes from things like this movie. Because it does play out exactly like how an action RPG session would go. What am I supposed to do? Put out an APB on some fucking guy who, who looks like the devil, answers to the name of Lucifer? Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so for but, anybody, I, don't let me step on you. Oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, what do you remember and what comes to the top of your head whenever you hear about, whenever you hear the movie Split Second? From 1992. Well, okay. Actually, a few for a movie. This movie. This movie does not deserve the amount of things I know about it. Uh, in ter- I mean, <laughs> no, I got, it doesn't. It, no, it doesn't. No, it is a bad movie. It's okay. Terrible, on yeah. IMDb, it's got a 6.2 out of 10, and that's I think generous because I guarantee everybody that's that's ranking it is a fan. Yeah. And you know, I don't. It. it it, it's purely a it's a Rutger Hauer vehicle that is like how would I, how would I describe it? The analogy I would say that if if Blade Runner is <laughs> a if Blade Runner is like a, a 2020 uh, Tesla Q or whatever the fuck, then you know like Split Second is a 1990 like. It's like a gremlin that is left over from 1979 that has been spray painted chrome by, you know, some guys down at the chop shop with like a, a like a Nerf gun glued onto the top <laughs> where it's it's a it's a it's a Rutger Hauer vehicle. And they're they're and they're kind of like they're taking they're trying to do dystopia by looking at. Essentially, Blade Runner and a couple of other things, but 90% Blade Runner be like, okay, well, well s- step one, put Rudker Hauer in it. Yeah. Um, s- step two, make it really dark and depressing. Step three, make it look like somebody with the last name Scott directed it. And they're like, okay, well, Tony Scott, he's his brother. So what would it look like if he directed it? And it's, well, you'd have a lot of Venetian blinds, harsh lighting, and bummers. I'm like, okay, we could do that. Venetian blinds, harsh lighting, and bummers. That's what a sci-fi movie is, right? Yeah, we got it. We got it. We got it. They don't do really bummers, though. They just do violent death. (laughs) Scorpio. 
is a sign most susceptible to the powers of darkness to Scorpio. The idea of being joined with a supernatural being is of the utmost importance. And and then so what you have is Rutger Hauer plays this kind of to say he's a caricature of a um, kind of uh, wild card um, detective uh, is is generous. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like a nonsensical uh, police idea yeah. who is in this uh, future. I don't know what the year it is. It's twenty. It's two thousand eight. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. you know the the. It sounded probably sounded really good in 1992. It did. It did. It was like unimaginable. It was like because we were everybody was (laughs) waiting for 2000. They were like 2000 is going to be so like the idea that the idea that London is going to be under 12 feet of water in 2008 is probably not that gonzo in 92. Yeah. Um. And so there, they basically take like a kind of a Law and Order SVU. Um, police precinct d- dunk it in some shitty Thames water and for some reason <laughs> stick uh, Rutger Hauer as a a hard-nosed badass detective and team him up with kind of a um, an uptight greenhorn douchebag detective to hunt what is presented as a serial killer yeah. who is meandering the streets of, of London and randomly eviscerating people. Yeah, like not just and, murdering um, them, but ripping their hearts out through like a, a giant massive wounds that expose rib cage, entire rib cages. Okay, it's got it's got <laughs> big predator Schwarzenegger energy. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of this whole plot you want me to like uh, expurgate right I'll now. I'll go but, for it. Uh, you know, but ultimately, it, it, what you determine is, I think I don't actually remember what the <laughs> the turn is of what the. I actually don't remember what the monster is. It's either a. It's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be a military experiment gone wrong. Or a fucking space alien, and frankly, the movie doesn't deserve me remembering it after I've seen the movie five times. That's see what you just said would make sense. It's neither of those. Well, that's the movie's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, I have, I am utterly and and sincerely confident in my position that if it, whatever third category it is should be fashioned into a, a small ceramic idol and shoved up my ass for well, my own here's uh, here's even recreation here's because even it's a the, terrible idea the stupider part is it isn't even the third thing it's like the fourth thing which is they didn't know they didn't know what it was supposed to be and they don't explain it they kind of hint it never comes out that it's a science creation and the devil they just say DNA 300 times and then talk a bunch of like uh, uh, co- constellation and astrological sign bullshit and mix those together without any conclusion or point. Cannibals ate the hearts of their enemies to gain possession of their souls. It obviously believes that if it eats its victims' hearts, it not only gains their power and their DNA, it also gains their souls. They just kind of <laughs> say DNA, the devil, the Scorpio sign. DNA, it's the devil. <laughs> yeah, I the, that's here's the thing is like um Split Second is a is a great bad movie in that it is like I, I when I was 
I I don't not sure what year what age, but like twelve. I'm is uh, is going to be pretty close. Yeah, I fucking loved it because it was it was candy, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's like the pop rocks of action horror movies yeah. of 1992. You know, it's got all of the ingredients that you show up for as a person with absolutely no fucks to give about plot or or anything making any fucking sense. Yeah. At all. Well, it was like, and it has some really satisfying like lines and scenes and nonsense that yeah, happens, but so they don't much turn into candy. anything. It, it was like a nutty bar mixed with pop rocks with a Mountain Dew. That's like I, I really <laughs> shouldn't have. I really shouldn't have eaten all of that, and now I'm going to be sick. But it was great. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, okay. Well, I want to save some of this for for later, but w- tell me what. Where what direction do we want to go in relationship <laughs> to the 1990? Um, I don't. I don't think it was probably in theaters. It was probably a straight to VHS. No, it went to theaters. Uh, oh, they yeah. Oh, really? They spent a lot of time advertising the movie and um, trying to get it to uh, recuperate all of the. I, I they just kind of threw money at it quickly and and assume that that would work because I, I'm definitely going to have to put this one sheet up on the Instagram because it is, it is look, man, this is, this movie is a good poster. Okay. So there's yeah. like a, like a RoboCop font at the top. The RoboCop font is actually just says Rudger Hauer's name. Yeah. And then behind Rudger Hauer in a totally black leather outfit with a combat shotgun, like jauntily over his shoulder is above that is Blade Runner meets Alien says yeah. hold on let me zoom in here the Detroit Free Press okay good thing we have them on there and then the monster kind of looks like actually um kind of um uh venom but with encephalitis this poster shows more of the monster than the movie does <laughs> Yeah, for for real. They like, I mean, I think that they probably rationalized it in some Steven Spielberg don't show the shark bullshit. But like, you need to eventually pay off this monster. And this in this exact image, the monster's kind of like, okay, that's kind of something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you put Tom Hardy and Andy Serkis in that, you'd have a show. Yeah. But they, but uh, spoiler alert, they super don't. Yeah. There is nobody, there is nobody of um, extreme talent well, I, running this I know thing. why they didn't use the monster a lot, and that's because um, it wasn't going to be a monster. It was going to be a guy. It, and they rewrote the script. It was, it was made from concept to finish and edit, finished edited product in eight weeks. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a that's not a lot of it. Wow. Yeah, and Eight, uh, wow. And um, they rewrote it to be a monster three weeks before it was to be in theaters. Wow. This here's the thing: if you totally remade this movie, yeah, and instead of this monster that doesn't pay off, it was. Um, Brad Dourif high on a uh, a new drug that they have in 2008. <laughs> there was practically no blood. I was surprised at that. This would be one of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like and th- it would it would be. F- 
fucking phenomenal. But instead, you, you what you have is a shitty dude in a in a fetal alcohol syndrome suit that they don't know what to do with. And also they don't realize that they're making a horror movie. So they don't shoot it like a horror movie. Yeah. They shoot it. They shoot it like an action movie without stakes. That's mostly about like Rutger Hauer making cool one liners, which is difficult because he's a Scandinavian and his English doesn't translate perfectly. (laughs) Like I, like I'm not anti, I'm not anti Rutger Hauer. Don't get me confused. I'm like, I'm, I'm pro Lady Hawk. I'm, Pro Blade Runner. I'm pro ho- pro hobo hobo with a shotgun. Yeah, there's like the, the I, first I, ten I, minutes. I of ride it. for Rutger Hauer. In the first ten minutes of it, he goes to a nightclub, so it establishes that it's a crowded cyberpunk universe. Um, well, if you don't have a nightclub in the first ten minutes, is it really a cyberpunk movie? True. That, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. So there's a, a murder in the bathroom, and um. Here we here they try to establish that he's psychically linked to the killer because now it's just a killer. It's not a monster yet. Um, He can hear his heartbeat and then he runs into the bathroom, finds uh, presumably he knew her, uh, some dancer who was murdered. And then he comes out and just starts pointing his gun at everybody to characters that later it's established that he's known for a really long time. But he's interrogating everybody, saying, you know something, you know something. And then he points the gun at a dog and says, I know you know something. (laughs) And it's like a solid 40-second scene of him looking at this dog and the dog looking back at him. And I don't know why they left all of that in. But but it was just awkward and and hilarious. And they did they did, these people did not know what movie they were making. Yeah. I, th- I, I think that, I think that what happened was for some reason, Rutger Hauer had like a really good agent for like five years and <laughs> he like took a really dangerous shit one morning while like reading the Hollywood reporter and is like, <laughs> I should be in an action horror yeah. and, 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 and drank, you know, a bottle of white Zinfandel or a Riesling. That's probably more likely at like 9 a.m. And it's like, hey, you need to find me something where I point shotguns at people and yeah. am scary and have a black leather coat. Yeah. Because that's my brand There's, now. Well, and, and, and some director was like, yes, we will do this and it will make all the money. Yeah. In the, in the, at the beginning of the movie, they, they're still trying to establish that Rucker Hauer is like a, a hard, uh, kind of given up on life detective in a future world. Uh-huh. Because it was written for Harrison Ford. Okay. And like yeah, like to directly be like a Blade Runner-ish movie. Like you're yes. you're gonna have to um investigate a bunch of stuff and there's a lot of weird things going on and only the detective will catch on to it. And um because he's like a uh not only is he psychically linked to the killer, but he's also just really good at being a a, a carefree not carefree, but like uh, uh, lost everything, um, balls out off the yeah. off off the rails, off the rails, de- de- smoking, drinking, old timey detective. Yeah, and I'm not saying Redker Howard doesn't pull that off, but he doesn't pull that off. What he pulls off is just this Gonzo cartoon character, who's 
concept is like like whenever you watch it you th- you think I understand what he's supposed to be but what he's doing is just kind of like uh playing with this dog <laughs> he's just making faces at a dog <laughs> you really get laid every night yeah it's this is very this is both very complicated and very simple is because I remember this movie well. I remember this movie better than I should. Yeah. Because it is... How do I say? It's like if somebody was making a movie to create 10-second YouTube clips, this movie fucking smashes. Oh, yeah. Like, if you you divided this movie into 38 10-to-20-second clips... This seems like the coolest movie movie that's ever been made. Oh my god! And the title of it is even split second. Right. I think like (laughs) if 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 you if if somebody if the producers of this and the studio that owns it, which is probably like I'm, it's HBO Video apparently has the one level of distribution of it. So (laughs) whoever you are now, I'm gonna what I'm gonna indicate to you is the smartest thing that you could possibly do with a split second R rated property starring Redker Hauer from nineteen ninety two that nobody fucking watches at all (laughs) is hide it now. Just make it completely unavailable to be watched Go on YouTube, scrub all of it, sue everybody, make sure that nobody can see this movie. Yeah. And then publish 10 to 30 second clips of the most interesting pieces of it to make it seem incredibly compelling. Because in that format, it fucking crushes. Because there is a sequence that my dad and I, when we first watched this movie, we quoted forevermore, which is they, there's this scene where they, they get like, they get into a fight, him and, and, um, you know, Commander Milk Toast or whoever the guy is. The character's name is Detective Dick Durkin. No. Yes. The character's <laughs> name Alistair, is Detective Played by Dick Alistair Duncan. Duncan. Yeah. yeah he's a Scottish guy yeah. named Alistair Duncan. Alistair Duncan plays plays, Duncan. A, plays the character Dick Durkin, and there's a, an, there's a whole scene where they introduce each other in Rutger Hauer's apartment, and um, Dick Durkin laughs, and he's <laughs> laughing his ass off at his own name, and Rutger Hauer is keeping it together. And the, just because Rutger Hauer kept it together and was, like, in character and didn't like how he was laughing at his own name, they put that in the movie. Where where <laughs> the actor was like, don't use that. I cracked up. I cracked up really bad. But they kept it in the movie. <laughs> yeah, this isn't the movie where people are giving, giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there, there's a scene where finally they confront the monster yeah. and they get into kind of a shootout where they're try, they're trying to blow it away and it like it pops up out of the the, the whole gag is it, it pops up out of the the climate change water yeah and it's also by the way it's never daylight in London just like in Blade Runner you know yeah. it's like you know it's the cyber cyberpunk perpetual midnight yeah it it was sunset at the beginning. Yeah, it scares the shit out of him. It kills some kills some people and disappears. And then well, there's this this great scene where because it my dad and I would quote this one because it was funny and two because it actually felt like a real emotion where 
the 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 I can't believe I'm gonna have to keep saying this. The Dick Durkin guy was like, "What do we do? What do we do?" After they've been just totally fucking like like railed by this monster, and Rutger Hauer as Stone goes, "We're gonna get big guns. We're gonna get a lot of fucking guns. We need guns, bigger fucking guns, yeah. lots of big fucking guns." <laughs> and you're like, and then and like as a as a 12 year old like watching this with his cop dad we're like yeah this is this is the movie we've been waiting for go get bigger fucking guns yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go get guns big fucking guns yeah it, it totally fed into all of our all of the impulses as like mid 19 1980s like early 90s um people that were it fed into the storyline that if you just gave the right smart people bigger guns, that like every solution could, every problem could be solved, right? A3, high powered, semi automatic, something bigger. What? Does the chief know you're down here? We need big guns. Big, big fucking guns. What the hell's he on? Oh, I wouldn't grenade launcher. Right, cattle had capacity 9mm helical mag. Right. SA80. Ah, that's too fucking small. And this was a case like, you know, Alien with Ripley. Or like, um, what's a, what's another you know, or you know, it 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 bought it it it's kind of the anti-predator situation because predator is great because it's such a beautiful counterexample of what your baseline with with Schwarzenegger yeah. and Mac and everybody else in Predator is they are ultimately prepared for the situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are they're a mercenary team armed to the teeth yeah. that appear Highly to be trained. <laughs> dripping with expertise of yeah. being in the jungle and tracking things and dealing with surprises yeah. and they've got these kind of mid 20th century tropes of this guy's the specialist with these weapons and this guy is the native yeah. Am- American that can see things that we don't see yeah. and blah blah blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and 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 that is what's so um, one of the many things that's so amazing about Predator is that they're ultimately prepared, but still underprepared because that they establish that the enemy is so colossally dangerous because it's outside of our own reality. Yeah. Well, this movie split second yeah doesn't bother with any of that logic or work. Yeah. Right. It's just like this drunk maniac. Um, is surprised by a thing that we are not going to explain or understand either at the beginning, middle, or end yeah. of this film. Ever. But he is going yeah. to he's gonna have two or three scenes where he's going to react emotionally in a compelling way, and then he's gonna fire a shotgun a lot, and then the movie's a gonna be. Minigun shotgun. <laughs> right. Is it one of those like big drum like Dark Knight or uh, Dark Man things? Doesn't make any sense. No, it's a uh, it's it's a prop that's been used in a couple of movies, but it's a minigun that doesn't exist because it has um, heat shields on each barrel. <laughs> okay. And it's a shotgun. Okay. And okay. anybody who knows firearms 
uh, hearing this, like, minigun with heat shields on each barrel that shoots shotgun rounds is going to laugh their asses off. So <laughs> Yeah, because uh, because either you're going to die firing it or your fingers are going to melt yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, in in the, about 10 seconds. Yeah, the reason it has multiple barrels is to compensate for the heat. So you don't need right. a graded heat shield on each barrel. <laughs> And if you do, then then it's gonna get as hot. To, then it's gonna get too hot to be metal. If you need that much heat compensation. <laughs> you wanna die with a man's gun, not a little CC gun like this. You know what? I I have a. I'm looking at at um. I'm looking at different um visual media related to this, and I've come across a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, because I have. I even though I've seen this. I've easily seen it five or six times. I don't know why, because it just tickle it tickles my balls, and it's 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 pure it's pure indulgence. It's a bad movie that makes me feel good. I don't know. It's it's stupid, but a couple of things I have to note. One, um, uh, the the tagline "Split second. He's seen the future." Boomer ellipses. Now he has to kill it. Exclamation point <laughs> is on every poster, and yeah. I'm like. I bu- I love that so much because it's so stupid. Yeah, like I, it is, it is, it is delightfully stupid. Yeah, because it. Yeah. That's... Also, like, if you don't establish what the monster is, yeah, how do uh, how do you establish that it's the future? But yeah. anyway, whatever. They they also they don't explain any of the psychic stuff. <laughs> Why would he be psychic? Being being a frustrated detective and being a psychic are like are not related. I mean, unless you retcon this into being like a pre awakening 2000 and uh, like 18 Shadowrun universe, like bullshit thing where he's the first like American white man detective to suddenly be aware of the consciousness that explodes. Oh wait, now we've just come up with our own pre Shadowrun game. We have to run, we have to run this game now. We have to, we have to run split second, the movie, the game, the Shadowrun prequel. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't even want to play Shadowrun anymore because it's so fucking complicated. It's a hat on top of a hat. And that's the problem with this movie is it's a hat on top of a hat on top of a hat. They didn't know. They couldn't choose what the fuck it was. Yeah. If this movie was these guys hunting a maniacal serial killer that was like like the future Zodiac, that would be like, that's a fucking really good idea. Yeah. But instead, this, this movie is a minigun that shoots buckshot with heat shields on each barrel. <laughs> I'm looking on... If you look up the Blu-ray plus digital HD combo disc, um, like, image of this, with all of the art, he's on the front of it with this gun thing that you're describing yeah. that is, like, f- like a four... Ro- three or four or five rotating barrels bullshit gun yeah that when i was 12 or 11 i thought was like the coolest shit i've ever seen yeah that thing can but but that makes no (laughs) logical sense at all yeah um where apparently if you're gonna have that many many barrels presumably you'd be firing about i guess like a hundred shotgun rounds a minute or something yeah it's the in 
In the movie, the the death sergeant says it shoots 650 rounds a minute, which is really, really (laughs) low for a minigun. (laughs) Yeah, which it also required you to have, like, a 700-pound backpack full of shotgun shells in order to actually do that. And not not bullets, not 227 bullets, what a minigun shoots, but shotgun shell. (laughs) Right. Whereas you're apparently the Banksy of guns, and yeah. you're just going, you're just going to carve up brick buildings with with a, a gun that will also literally like break your break your elbows while you're trying to operate. Yeah, it makes no sense. If you're gonna shoot three to four thousand shotgun rounds a minute. <laughs> anyway. This, that for 650 rounds a minute. Yeah? Yeah. What do you need two for? Hey, what the fuck is this thing you're after? A Sherman tank? No. What? No, no. That's a Megatron flash grenade. You could clear the jungle with one of these things. Yeah. Two. And so my, anyway, so my second, my second, we've lost everybody. I know. But my second point is apparently somehow I have not ever through my many watchings of this movie kept the fact that this movie co-stars Kim fucking Cattrall. Yeah, yeah. As the, um, and she, what she looks like in this, because. Well, yeah, uh, I got, gonna, I got I'm, something I'm, on I'm this gonna, too. Yeah. I'm going to put my foot down as just saying Kim Cattrall has always been hot and will always be hot. I don't care yeah. if she lives to a hundred and fucking nine. Kim, Tr- Kim Cattrall is hot as hell. You're going to get. Um, and it, and yeah. in this, she's halfway between sex in the city and mannequin. Yeah. Both of which I am a fan and I'm a fan of how she is in both of those things. But she kind of looks like. Um, you know, Justin McElroy as I am Amelie, where she's got this kind of um, cyber hacker uh, bangs and uh, fake brunette and lots of cleavage bullshit going yeah, on. Well, and I do not re- tell me what the fuck is going on with Kim Cattrall. I, I will explain. I do not this. remember. I will explain this completely. Remember how I said they did this in eight weeks. Yes. Well, Kim Cattrall just got done shooting a movie where she is a Vulcan. Yes, she was in Star Undiscovered Trek. Undiscovered Country, uh, yeah. Hence the word <laughs> sabotage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. She's and an, that is oh, her Vulcan man. haircut that she didn't have time to grow out of or change at all. So... <laughs> oh... I mean, I got to admit that totally seamlessly dovetails visually. Yeah. Like, if a Vulcan versus the year 2008, that's not that hard to make that work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am not going out of my way to have a Kim Cattrall paraphilia, but she's doing a good job at suggesting that I should have one. Um, <laughs> just over, over the years. I mean, you know, you start with Mannequin... You hit all these other bullet points along the way. There's going to be like, hidden Kim Cattrall Easter eggs all over Oops All Monsters. <laughs> I felt so sorry for you last night. You looked so lost and lonely. She's a motherfucking delight. I mean, I she's she's so many good things. She's she's a very appealing person to look at, but she has a very strong personality. She doesn't play these we even in. Even in Mannequin, 
where she's playing literally an object turned into a person. Yeah. She manages to uh, st- who starts out as a styrofoam Egyptian cliche um joke. She manages to like uh sashay that into a compelling performance across from Andrew McCarthy that is like so much 1987 tinsel bullshit that it feels like a person that you have like an attachment to literally like uh, the so many of our hmm, so many of our bullshit feelings about uh, women that are you are what you are is a visually consumable object. When you were making me, didn't you feel a certain inspiration? And is she had the um, confidence and or talent to actually like go into it and juggernaut her way straight through it into being like, okay, lady, you got it. You win. You did a good job. You're like, you're, you're not, uh, you, you came out on the other end as a person and not an object. And you had a shitty starting point and it, you're great. And now you're, you know, talking about like girth and Bush to, uh, you know, to New Yorkers in 2004 on (laughs) like the most popular television show to be on DVD. (sighs) <sighs> That's what you come to Oops All Monsters for, is that real critical commentary. Speaking of Easter eggs... <laughs> Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation... You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas and Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a cutlass for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a cutlass for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a cutlass for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield Iron Forge Cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oops all monsters. Yeah. Another, um, uh, this is another property that has the rats bartender reference. The bartender from Neuromancer, who usually has a cyber arm in this movie. He's, he's played by um, Ray Dury. 
Okay, hold on, hold on. Rewind that tape because you just you just scooted through a whole thing or that Ian nobody's going to know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. This this is a lot of What's the what's the rats bartender? What is the what is the go on for go back to Neuromancer and the rats bartender cuz I don't Neuromancer rats bartender references are um in a lot of things, mostly like the William Gibson involved movies like Johnny Mnemonic and oh that's about it and um <laughs> <laughs> but uh as like a basic cyberpunk film baseline yeah you're gonna you have the bartender have a... with the who knows everybody who has all the connections who has like a cyber limb and in okay. split second that character that rats reference character is filled by um ian dury who is the singer for the Blockheads. He's got a whole movie starring Andy Serkis, playing him, um, called Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, which is three ampersands. Okay. Yeah. Okay. With three ampersands. And Ian Dury is a character that uh, people should look into. He is uh, extraordinary. Ian Dury. Okay. He's in this movie. He was also in Judge Dredd. He was the guy that had the ABC robot in Judge Dredd. In the in the Stallone version. Yeah, in the Stallone version. I forgot. Yeah, they. <laughs> I forgot well, they I mean, made a good Dredd one. The, yeah, I'm obsessed with that good one, so I'm always gonna follow. I mean, Judge Dredd is the '90s one with Stallone. Dredd is the good one from 2000 and whatever ten or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that was a. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I am legitimately obsessed with I am legitimately obsessed with with um, Dread One. There's um, I forget what the fuck if they're gonna make it into a. It was supposed to turn into a series, but all that seems to happen in super 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 slow motion. I don't, I don't think know that people who know about and anyway. care about like um, the entirety of the Dread universe are are like a marketable audience. <laughs> Like well, it's a, it's a hard well, sell to producers to make that into the it, it, to give it the budget that it deserves because it's it deserves to be yeah, there deserves, no, I, it deserves to have more to it a lot more than just one um, mega block like the, oh <laughs> oh yeah 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 well here's let, all right, let's let's crack let's crack this nut open and taste it because this is yeah. this is worth talking about. There are there are both fantastic there are great and not so great elements of that, but I think what there needs to be is a thirst for imagining. Obviously, Judge Dredd is meant as a true dystopia. It's meant as as yeah. Let's not let's not do this. But also, I think that there are a lot of, there are, a, you know, the, the, as impossible as it is to make like a, um, you know, like a Mad Max TV series, I think it might be a little bit more plausible to make like a Judge Dredd TV series. But, yeah, you know, sci-fi is hard to do as a series, and action is hard to do as a series, but it's it's possible um, but I think they the did thing it with is that the, 
with that oh that awesome thing it has its own language and everything how did i forget the name of this awesome thing there the martians <clears throat> the space thing where there's belters mars people and earth people the people with like the the tall people with the low gravity yeah could you shut up the expanse thank you oh my god uh... <laughs> anyway Amazon did The Expanse. I don't see why um, Dread couldn't be, because Dread's full of stuff. Like all you yeah, have to it's... do, all you have to do is keep all the mutants and psychics and everything out of it for like the first two seasons, and people will go yeah, nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I completely agree. My only here's the thing is, I think that in when <laughs> Judge Dread came out as a graphic novel and a comic book series. There yeah. was a much higher appetite for, um, hmm, how would I say, exploring the various implications of law enforcement officers using guns to uh, exercise justice yeah. on the streets. And I think that vector divided by um, futuristic apocalyptic dystopian visions makes for a, a much more difficult hmm, recipe of who wants to explore that conceptual space. Yeah. And as much as I kind of like love the elements and the ingredients that are involved in the Judge Dredd universe, I think that if it, you know, I, I could get why it, that is a corner uh, that is, I get why that is a corner that we need to go past and, and not be living in that space and not just be filling our imaginations with, uh, homelessness and despair and cop murder <laughs> because yeah. I am, I like that dread movie. Yeah. Here's the deal. You let me walk my both fucking brains. Okay. Negotiations over. Hey, what are you doing? You hear what I said? I'll kill it. Yeah. I heard your hot shot. What? I said hot shot. Starring what's his butt with uh, from all of those things, uh, he's that I love that hot with the Carl, hot good old hot Carl, <laughs> like he like with the slow mo effects and um, what's her name the queen from Game of Thrones playing Mama um, and the ultra violence. Xerxes. No, um, I I know Le Elena Hetty Headley. Yeah, Lena Headley. Headley Lamar. Lena, 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 yeah, <laughs> Lena Headley Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, but I also appreciate that like it is how do I, how do I imagine? It's kind of like living in the id of the gener exactly the generation of like you and me of like that yeah. is living in the space of people that really enjoy split second starring Rutger Hauer. Yes. Is is it is it's about guns and and immediate justice and and dark yeah. near apocalyptic futures. Well, the thing, Dredd would have this thing where uh, it, it it would be 
Eventually, characters would come to Dread and say, you know, this is a lot more complicated than just murdering people. And then Dread would be like, that's a lot of secondary plot stuff that we're going to have to do. <laughs> and then uh-huh. and then that would be okay for a while. Then you have time to di- digest all of your splatterpunk. And that's <laughs> that's that's a perfect... Yeah. That's perfect ingredients. People want that stuff. They don't want... I don't know what what has failed recently that got cra- like preached at. They don't want preached at with anything, and they don't want anything uh, that seems as though it's countering the preachy things to be too over the top and assholeish. So just make something that has a shitload of action to it <laughs> with the subtlety in it that says maybe this is wrong. And then don't make a giant point about what's wrong or right. Just have it in a <laughs> fictional universe that is fiction. And maybe well, people will like it. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I hear your... I hear a very valid point about escapism. Yeah. Uh, of, like, if, like, that TV is a space where we escape our own reality. But I don't think that that's wrong as a general concept. I think you're right. Well, also, here's another thing that should be added to that. Um, Write it well. Because <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, there yeah. seems to be a lack of that. And and it's it's gotten to the point where that is my point. The great Oz has spoken. Let me orient this specific discussion toward one thing, which is I love that that the the newer dread movie with Carl Urban. Yes. I really love it. It really it's like it's it's super well made, it's super well cast, it looks awesome. The visual and special effects conceit of using the slow-mo drug to Oh yeah, um, that stuff turn was freaking to, to, to turn terrifying. the direction toward a subjective understanding of how people are experiencing the action and then yeah. to motivate that visually is it's you ever phenomenal. done a whip it on e exactly then you have seen time <laughs> and <laughs> so i fucking love the movie but here's the thing in terms of if you go going into the actual 21st century that we're actually dealing with the the two scenes in that movie that are the most relevant are when they go into the mega block and they tell that uh that guy that has nowhere to live who's sitting in the the place where the the wall is going to come down you better not be here when he, when we come back the homeless yeah. guy and he's like okay i'll be out of here and when they come back he's been just fucking smashed by the wall yeah. He's just been destroyed by the wall of the mega city block. That those two scenes should be the point of that movie. Is <laughs> why are we living in a system where this happens to anybody? That yeah. should be the point of that movie. That's not it doesn't make for good TV because nobody's pointing anybody nobody's pointing any cool ass incendiary guns at anybody and or saying any cool shit. But that's actually the real world problem we should be addressing. Why does that guy not have a place to live and then get killed by the 2055 version of a garage door? Do something like that. Take the intention an action of somebody with an opinion or authority out of it and just uh, say that automated shit is terrible. Exa- exa- see what I mean? <laughs> just write it well. 
Right. (laughs) And let me put it this way. If you take, if you sit and meditate on that problem. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And you, if you, if you took all of season one and uh, of this theoretical dread show that may already exist that we're currently writing for no reason (laughs) and made it, you know, like the dread fucking kicks ass and makes decisions that nobody else is prepared, prepared to make. And under all of that badass veneer, he's a good person underneath is at the end of season one if you put him in a an incredible ethical or moral crisis where he's got to you know split the baby in some really confounding way where it destroys the bedrock of his decision-making apparatus and he feels like he has to go rogue and the whole judge system no longer makes sense to him. There you've got a fucking show. I think yeah. I think there you're like, now we're talking about the 21st century. Yeah. Um, but that's the sh- I would have to have that because um, because law enforcement maniac who makes good decisions with guns doesn't take me anywhere after yeah, yeah, episode yeah, yeah. three. Um, but I'm sorry. Go. What, what was your thought? Because I, oh, didn't, I, wasn't, was I didn't want to the- stomp all over you. Uh, uh, traveling on all all of these concepts and going even into it, um, the beginning of it could be like, remember how Corbin Dallas started his adventure because a bottom line decision was made by Zorg, and eventually oh, Corbin yeah, Dallas yeah, 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 indirectly, yeah. without ever even meeting it him, was... kills Zorg. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Corbin's yeah, whole t- Corbin's whole like being launched on his Luke Skywalker hero mission was, was created was by bullshit capitalism <laughs> shit. Yeah, because yeah. of because of Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, fire yeah, one sure. million. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start dread like that with like some bottom line decision that's like uh, featured. And prominent, and and then kind of not spoken of for a couple of episodes, and then start seeing the ramifications of that bottom line decision eventually resulting in Dredd's um, questioning of the judge system. And here on Oops All Monsters, you get a sneak peek behind Gavin and Hess's writing process. This is going to be a great <laughs> no, show. This is this is you know Our, Gavin and Hess's Dread. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm. This is. Yeah. This is. This is fucking good show. I yeah, think you I've, should call it Mega City One. Just, just straight up call I it Mega that, City One. I hate to tell you. I, I hate to tell you, but I think that's actually the name of the show that they're. Oh, are you with. serious? <laughs> yeah. <I'm, laughs> given, given my um very barely functioning neurodiverse memory, I'm fairly confident <laughs> that's actually the name of the show that either they are making or was already canceled. So uh, yeah. sorry. Okay. Um, no, our show will be called Mega City Deuce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mega City One, though, is the entire eastern part of the United States. Yeah, we all know that's not going to survive, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> we should. Be- well, yeah, because the southern half gets like radiated eventually. I don't know the the Dread comic is so long. There's there's what like sixty years of it. <laughs> You know better than me, honestly. It's not my. That's not my area. I, oh. I, I, I love the ethos of it, but I do yeah. not know it. I. It's not my history. You maniacs! You blew it 
what can we definitively say about the monster, however we describe it, from split second? What is it? We don't. We do, it. We haven't determined that it. Uh, can we say that it's quote unquote? They say it's a quote unquote genetic monster. Is that is that the top and bottom of what we know about it? Because. Mostly it's a big black bullshit venom thing. They say that and they also say that it is the devil. <laughs> like no shit. They they say it's both things. They say, "Oh, okay. it's a it it absorbs all of the DNA of the people that it killed, which is so far just like one cop and a couple strippers." So that's not really like important. So <laughs> basically we have like a if you look at it visually, it's kind of like a bullshit 9 foot venom looking dna yeah. abomination with like no eyes and fangs well, they, they gave like, the it, guy three weeks to make the costume or to three weeks to make the monster not that because he didn't know if it was going to be a costume or not he had yeah. to make that decision in those three weeks which i would still be working out like the concept of it but yeah he, for real if i if i, I had an actual job i mean you yeah. might be able to come up with a concept in a half an hour if you were already, like, primed and ready to go. But then... Yeah. Execution is a process. Like, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's the fucking lollipop guild. You need a, you need a goddamn runway. <laughs> you, need, you need time to do that shit. Yeah. They, yeah. And, well, what he did, I'm pretty sure, was... Um think that he made something that wasn't the xenomorph because he made um you could tell that he was trying to m not make the xenomorph but is he that made what the you xenomorph <laughs> yeah he, what 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 he appears to have made is a really half-ass xenomorph alien from aliens yeah uh, it's like the xenomorph apparently is a uh, a 10 out of 10 and he made like a 4 out of 10 yeah. which is just like a, a glossy skinned large um like oil black uh yeah. egg-headed there's a scene thing. in the movie there's even a scene in the movie where Rudger Hauer's face is like right next to the mouth and the mouth is dripping with xenomorph drool and Rutger Hauer's trying not to get like breathed on just yeah. like Ripley Right, but <laughs> just like what, but I, as someone who's seen this movie way more times than anybody in our audience needs to see it, I can tell you <laughs> that this movie does not can not one scene from this movie contains a fraction of the tension or drama of any one single fucking scene from Alien, starring Sigourney Weaver, directed by Ridley Scott. Not even <laughs> not. I mean. Not a not a quarter, not a tenth, not a fiftieth. There is not even a split second. I got the title in there. So this is this is. I let me not exaggerate. A an awful movie, but <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. Also, watch it. I don't know. Like bring bring your friends over and and watch it on whatever the fuck it's on. I don't know. I know you can get it's it. I've seen it. It's on Amazon right now, on Amazon Prime. For right. free if you have a subscription to Amazon Prime, because that's how the fucking world works. Yeah, so for free if bring, you paid for bring it. your friends over, pop some popcorn, put some xenomorph blood on it, and mostly ignore this movie because it's it's 
it does not deserve your undivided attention. And it's yeah, 2021, so it's probably not going to get it anyway. Yeah, if you if you do all that, it'll lead to you rewinding and watching some things again, which is how it's supposed to be seen. Yeah, there's three or four scenes where you'll go like, what the fuck was that? And maybe yeah. they are worth actually watching. But yeah. if what you want is a terrible drinking game or um, yeah. a, hilari- <laughs> a hilarious 21st century Instagram gag, this is the movie for you. Um, it is it is delightfully stupid or uh, s- something that came to my mind while I was watching it. If you want to plan out how to um, uh, coordinate uh, the combat for your role playing game with your dickhead friends who won't stop <laughs> screwing around and making the same 30 jokes, this is the perfect movie to watch. Because um, eventually they just get fed up and the movie gets fed up with itself <laughs> and guns and the monster just kind of show up and happen. So, well, I, w- I would s- look if you if you act if you give me like if you handed this and it wasn't already a movie to me as a premise and said, sell this, I could yeah. make you a fucking awesome movie is it is like the basic yeah. ingredients of like yeah. uh, a, a B or a very compelling B or C level actor who's very invested in this character in this movie. And you got like, you got a horror sci-fi. It takes place 20, 30, 40 years in the future. London is flooded. People are fucked. It's dark. Yeah. It's, it's, it's macabre. And there is a serial killer eviscerating people on the flooded cities of London. Like, yeah. you give me that. That's really fucking captivating. The level to which you fuck it up is wildly impressive because those actual ingredients in that combination are kind of like uh, they're novel enough to be something like that should really be something. The fact that you turned yeah. it into so much nothing is actually almost notable. Like, it's like, wow, the, how did you turn that into something that was so uncompelling? Because I, I almost want to go to like my agent and be like, let's get an option on the, the split second property from 1992, because let's turn this into a real fucking movie. Because it it should be fucking terrifying, and yeah. it, the, and the ingredients <laughs> of it are still compelling. You make it not two thousand eight, you make it two thousand forty eight or whatever, and make the monster uh, a thing. Something. You know what it is? Yeah. So any like, one thing. There's so many. There's so many things that point toward um, cybernetic super soldier, which makes sense. It, that would be great. That would make sense, and people would be happy with it. Um, maybe even suggest that psychic demonology was used by one of the rogue scientists, like he did some kind of ritual that may or may not have worked. You don't know because this world is fiction already. Maybe the devil exists, but probably not. How about that? And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then you have a monster that has a story instead of just saying DNA, it absorbs the DNA. Also the constellations and the devil. (laughs) <laughs> Between, but am I am I totally batshit or is it possible that in the collective like Hess Gavin like unconscious is it is it because that there is like a evolutionary psychic adapted character in the Dreadiverse that we 
like drew the line between split second and dread. Is that actually like what is what is like drawing the obvious possibly? Line for us? Yeah, because well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this movie that wanted to be said uh, about its setting and and really about its world and that it's a cop, um, like about its characters too. Uh, that that it just didn't say that Judge Dredd has said. That that Judge Dredd stated and stated well. So I think our brains filled in the gap and found, like, the next, the closest thing that was understandable instead of just a mishmash of explosions and Rutger Hauer not laughing at the name Dick Durkin. (laughs) So, So, um, in conclusion... In conclusion, um, you do or do not watch the split second movie. That's your call. It's not good, but it is amusing. Yeah. Um, I don't expect you will enjoy it, dear readers. It's pretty bad, but it <laughs> it, it does have some very good posters. Click around yeah. on the image. Click around on the images from IMDb because IMDb because the posters are seem very amusing. But um, if you have not watched Dread from 2012, starring Carl yeah. Urban and uh, Lena Headey, do watch that because that fucking yeah. kicks ass. Um, That's an awesome movie. So, um, and for, we're closer to that reality than you may think. But overall, oops, all monsters. We're giving a thumbs down to a vague monster that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we get, like. Ultimately, this movie is about like what is what is that monster? What does it do for us? We don't know what it is, and it does nothing. What that monster yeah. does is tell us to do a fucking better job of making monster movies than Split Second because your fucking movie doesn't make any sense because we don't even know what it is, and this is like thirty years later. It's also well, uh, the fondness that we have for it. Um, guess who shares that? David Fincher. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, 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 if we, <laughs> let's David imagine. David Fincher it, loves this movie. <laughs> let's imagine a bizarre reality where we have David Fincher on to describe the, the, the benefits and detractor elements of Split Second. I, yeah. I don't know that much on a personal level about David Fincher, but given my, how would we say, top down view of his general aesthetic uh priorities i think the yeah. things that he would like and dislike about it are kind of relatively in line with you and i because yes it's like <laughs> you know it's fucking cotton candy it's terrible but you can enjoy it right it's the yeah. split second is a motherfucking funnel cake with cinnamon on top should you eat it no do you know you should eat it no, you know it's terrible, but it's still fucking delightful. You'll have some sometime because you yeah. know that like Rutger Hauer is like that and shotguns are like that and monsters <laughs> jump out of the water are like that. And yep. every once in a while you can eat yep. half of a funnel cake. Will you feel sick afterward? Yes, but you'll do it anyway because it's a fucking funnel cake. <laughs> Now we get to the section of the show where we have to determine whether or not Split Second and its weird non-specific DNA monster guy is Is it is it is is is, is it bitchin' van art? Bitchin' van art. Um No. 
No, I mean, I kind of, no. I kind of feel like although the monster is not that scary, it is. Here's it what is I think ostensibly is bitching, bitchin', but go ahead. Rut- Rutger Hauer is bitching Van Art because his, his visage in this movie specifically was what they picked to be uh, the the controllable protagonist, the controllable protagonist yeah. in the Super Nintendo version of Shadowrun. <laughs> right. Okay. Is that true? Is that like a specific yes, like A like, to B uh, thing? Yeah. Yeah. If you look up like Rutger Hauer in Split Second and SNES Shadowrun Jake Armitage. Like, uh, it's the exact same picture. <laughs> well, I will say, I, you know, I'll try to include as many of these images as I can on the Instagram at Oops All Monsters as I can. But, like, <laughs> yeah. the one, the best version of consuming this movie is box art of this movie. It makes a cool poster and a terrible yeah. film. Um, it, 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 it's it's a well, very VHS-generation reality. Rutger Hauer kind of has to be in the picture. The monster alone, no, not yes, because the the monster, the monster is with Rutger Hauer and his gun, yeah, awesome. Yes, the monster is yeah. so amateurishly executed as to be it's it's at best a joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I would say the movie, yes, the movie is bitch and van art. Whatever. We, I don't. The, the sad thing is, you know, I can determine what we would call any monster from anything i have no fucking clue what to call this i mean uh, even that we have established it's some kind of quote-unquote dna abomination what the fuck does that even mean like that there there is your your less what this monster <laughs> does is give us a lesson that is come up with a fucking concept and execute it you know even if your concept is a, a little person in a leprechaun outfit, you could run that for seven movies and make a bazillion dollars. As long as, you know, you put the right little person in that like leprechaun outfit, have a fucking plan. Do not, do not go from serial killer to guy in a latex suit and hope that it works out. Yeah. Who's the devil? Maybe, maybe no. or no, DNA or DNA or space, <laughs> you know, like yeah. have a fucking idea. So just in general, have a specific fucking idea. So, uh, I mean, I think that this movie can be bitchin' Van Art, but this monster, yeah. no. Because monster, although no. that they kind of have like a scary-ish bodysuit thing going on, it's, they don't, it the, the monster itself as bitchin' Van Art, it cannot cut the mustard. So no, it, the split-second monster, whatever the fuck it is, it is not bitchin' <laughs> Van Art. Is it, is it, is it, is, is it bitchin' Van Art? All right, there we go. We got it. Okay, so on to um, describing, and let me uh, gather my forces here for what we're going to put in describing. The segment on the show where we describe Tom fucking Hardy. Tell me if you see when you see this. <laughs> well, that was. Oh, yeah, that's a great picture of Eric Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our good old high school friend, Eric Cummings. We're probably going to block. Well, I can ask him. I think he's my Instagram friend now, so we can ask him. Yeah, I think, we, I think he would be fine. Would, with whether us we saying, bleep hey, him hey, out. Eric, but he, do you it, mind it, if it we does, compare it, you to Tom Hardy? It does, <laughs> it does look like Eric from like 1995. 
Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, this is from the sun.com. How, how, you know, I've been looking at this image for a little bit. What is, how, just, can you tell the audience when you see this image, what, how does Tom look in this? How does our per- picture of Tom Hardy look in this very particular image? He looks like, he looks like he has just been called Tiffany and he likes it. Okay, okay. Well, uh, let me start. Like, uh, so, let- okay, okay, here's, here's the setting. Some, some tough dude who uh-huh. he is in a gang with has made fun of him by calling him Tiffany, and Tom Hardy, instead of reacting poorly uh-huh. or not at all or trying to play it cool, is intrigued and wants to know more about why uh-huh. he should be named Tiffany and goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, w- I would try to get you to be more specific, but that was quite, quite specific. Let me ask you this. How old does Tom Hardy look in this image that I've thrown at you? Oh, that I couldn't tell you. Twenty six. I mean, I don't definitively know. That's probably something that I should know. Yeah. I I could tell like Tom Hardy. If I said he looks Tom seventeen in this, I don't think I would be out of line. Yeah. But the 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 headline from uh, from this image. Don't let it mis. Don't let me misquote it. But it says um, Hollywood star Tom Hardy has no memories from before the age of twenty five after blacking out his youth with booze. Yep. <laughs> he looks like he could be 20. He looks like he could be 16. He's a he's a real trim little triangle of a motherfucker in 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 this image. Um Yeah. It's got a real I mean I'm looking at images where he looks like this. It's very like uh Spice World era. <laughs> yeah, you know, am I wrong? It's it's very hack the planet hashtag. <laughs> 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 I did. I'm sorry. You're welcome. I don't. Uh, it says the actor, 39, who spiraled into alcohol and drugs addiction as a teenager, once reportedly said he'd have quote unquote sold my mother for a rock of crack quote unquote. Um, <laughs> Gavin's, uh, we're, go- we're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna have to get a snow shovel to peel Gavin off of the floor. Apparently, <laughs> spicy. <laughs> Spice girl reference. You got me. Tom also told the Sunday Times Magazine he believes his past addictions were fueled by fear, which he has now redirected into his acting. He said, "Quote unquote." My relationship to fear has completely changed. Fear is a primary color in my palette for work. It's a strong suit for me. Okay, I've identified that that's a fear issue. Brilliant. So I will dive into it now. Um, yeah. So, you know, Gavin, you you really opened the chapter of our show where we're going to think more about uh, Tom Hardy and um, yeah, I you know I here's the thing is I I I I was I thought about Tom Hardy more than zero percent before, but I'm thinking about him more now thanks to you know now we have this segment that's going to last a few episodes on this show. I'm curious 
when I've seen interviews, he doesn't he doesn't do a ton of interviews for somebody as uh, no, he doesn't really uh, popular as he is. I highly recommend anybody that's never watched Andy Circus and Tom Hardy answer questions from the internet on yeah, YouTube they, watch it because they're for uh, sounds like three minutes ago uh, as, uh, do, for 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 delightfulness per square inch um, mm-hmm. times English accents you really can't do better yeah. for you know for like two white men like it's it's it is maximized truly and they're uh delightful and they're doing something together i forget what the project they're promoting is they don't give a shit i don't give a shit nobody gives a shit but it is <laughs> really, fucking beautiful i know what tom hardy's talking about there i spent a significant amount of time uh handling fear with alcohol and it'll give you courage and it'll certainly block out all the things that'll maybe stop you from doing certain other things. But w- once you give it up, you're going to be eyebrow deep in all of the fear that you've been <laughs> avoiding. And the only way to really take it on is to dive further. And that guy knows what he's talking about. I, yeah. Like, Thank uh, you for... Exploring, exploring fear as an art form is something that a lot <laughs> that a lot of like recovering and recovered drunks uh know a lot about yeah i uh, well gavin thank you for um uh bringing that up popping off my spice giggle <laughs> <laughs> and saying something meaningful <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. i mean yes and no i think <laughs> i think, well the thing is we're all we, um, i think how much of this am I, of me doing my weird like Tom Hardy preparation to speak preambles? Am I going to cut <laughs> out of the show? We'll find out. I don't know, but is at, like the human beings those those of us who are speaking English are on some kind of like our age group. It is there is a very high propensity that. Um, those of us in this, uh, what is it, Zennials or I'd, um, I'd like Catalano well, generation, I've been Doom generation, <laughs> or the Doom generation? That's also you know lick lick yeah, the, the Doom generation. Don't lick all of the fake jizz off of the doorknob generation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is uh, it, the it, in our little group? I think that it's very easy to ascribe too much significance to your own generation, regardless of what generation it is. Oh yeah. But, we all know that. But there also is a, um, how would I say a, a hairpin turn in the cultural experience where, uh, thanks to the internet and globalization and things that are occurring within the last 10 years, that we're dealing with the bullshit of masculinity and the bullshit of um, substance abuse and the bullshit of not addressing your own problems in a way yeah. that is um, way more so than previous generations and way less so than all of the much more stable generations that are coming immediately after us. And so there is kind of like the phenomenon of being the gas station at the absolute apex of the hairpin turn and going like, hey, it's kind of rough out here with the code red Mountain Dew. 
Um, and and <laughs> and it, it, our experience. Don't go to that cabin. <laughs> you know the last the last Zoomers that went to that cabin turned into TikTok memes, and they've never got, gotten back off the internet. <laughs> it fizzled into OnlyFans. <laughs> Everybody only gets to live the thing that they are and the time that they are. And to me, I, 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 I look at the bullshit that, that Tom Hardy has turned into the fuel that allows him to be whatever it is that he now is. And, and he is overvalued because he is, uh, attractive and successful and able to articulate this bizarre internal emotional drama experience that he's had for the last 30 years into, um, a organized series of grunts and shoulder moves that yeah. make him, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Um, that make him, Venom and me not Venom. <laughs> and, and don't let me say that in a way that sounds like I'm being pejorative about Tom Hardy, because actually I'm totally not. I, 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 what I'm trying no, to do is, is making a pure that. observation. And I appreciate the difference there. I think he's really, he's really doing something and I'm glad that he's doing it. Uh, and, I I was not before you added him as our describing segment. I was just not. I didn't have him on my radar as somebody who had, um, you know, flipped his his flipped his pancake about um, drugs and drinking. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Into the person that he is now. <laughs> I had I had no background information on the guy other than weird huh. Englishman. You know what I mean? Like that was my whole. That was <laughs> yeah. all I had. Weird, weird Englishman who used to be medium and now is huge, right? And yeah, no, and he, and he very very good at movies. Time. You know, I loved Outlaw. I loved everything that he's in. I'm like, I'm very pro Tom Hardy, but I didn't. I wasn't digging yeah. it. I just don't dig into a lot of people's, um, you know, backstory unless it's like Jamie Lee Curtis or. Tom Atkins, I don't I just don't give a shit. <laughs> and <laughs> but like it makes it's 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 very compelling because what I see is kind of an introverted person who has um distilled his demons and is is turned himself into an actor that is actually a bartender of the spirits of his pain. And, yeah. and he says like, okay, you give me a good movie, you get, you know, a whole bottle of this shit. And this, this, this vintage of my agony is worth this many millions of dollars. And I don't say that in a cynical way. I think he's right. Um, and I don't also don't think that's a new thing. I think that actors have been doing that for, uh, millennia. And so uh, I would hope it's <laughs> I, for I would hope that that process has has gotten some people. I I think these I think a yeah. lot of these masks are the corks that keep these bottles from just pouring their bubbles out every moment of every day. 
Tom Hardy, bitchin' van art. Tom Hardy, split second monster. Unlike the split second Rutger monster, Hauer. is bitchin' van art. So uh, Tom Hardy doesn't need Rutger Hauer next to him with a gun. I mean, you make Tom Hardy play Harley Stone in 2062, hunting down the uh, the new the NU with an umlaut, Brad Dourif serial killer DNA beast. Yeah. That is ruining people in uh, the Greta Thunberg ruined, flooded London. Then you gotta, you've got to, you've got your, you've got you've, you've got yourself uh, a fucking show right there. I mean, yeah, they're they're li- they're lining up out the at the door for that one. All right, so this is this has been the segment on the show where we describe Tom fucking Hardy. Describing, Describing Tom Hardy's infinite Tom agony. Hardy. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that really does help. Gavin Longshanks, my Twitch channel, uh, is going to start doing a whole bunch of Diablo 2 stuff, including giveaways. (laughs) So, if you missed that, he is Gavin Longshanks on Twitch. Share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode at OopsAllMonsters. While you're on that Instagram, comment on it. And share with us the monsters that you may want us to cover, or email your suggestions to us for monsters that we should cover and RPG stories at oopsallmonsters at gmail.com, oopsallmonsters at gmail.com. And if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund, we really would appreciate it. Hit us up with a one-shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters, or... If you're feeling really froggy, sign up at patreon.com slash oopsallmonsters. Lastly, I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song and also her work as part of the duo The Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. And I have been Gavin. And we have been Oops. Oops. Monsters. Uh, dystopian dessert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have a, I didn't have a word one that time. That's, that's you. Yeah, oops, all flooded London. Oops, all Tom Hardy's distilled nightmares. Yeah, they, Turn that into a hashtag, motherfuckers. Yeah, they they set up the movie and said that London was flooded and everything, and they showed this big, long, uh, panning, uh, like, B-roll of London, and it looks like it's flooded, but it's just, like, a normal part of a swamp that's outside of London. (laughs) Yeah, Wacko, (laughs) Yakko. not flooded at all. And then Wacko, Yakko, and Dot were cruising by an Italian gondola. (laughs) Yeah. That's totally insane.